whenever I feel stress, I go to like big train station like King's Cross and Euston and I feel so comfortable because it's all about the just about to depart kind of moment right. which I've been used to since I was a kid and that gives me a sense of peace wow. in a really strange way. This episode discusses bullying, mental health issues and bereavement but not in particular detail but those three subjects do come up in this conversation as do many other topics and issues. At each stage of like growth when you learn something in business and you learn something about your personal life because they both reflect you kind of lose a layer and then you kind of go past that layer where you used to think oh god am I gonna make it oh my god is it all gonna go bad why did I jump into this what am I doing and then there's that layer where you're like oh it's cool hello I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together I need to get better please make me better I want to get better Better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Matty. Uh, in fact, even better acquainted. Even better acquainted, I yeah. know. It's been, what, three years? Yeah, it must that be. we've known each other as yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Right. And so we've the, worked together at Spark and everything, yeah. And then, well, because this is like an update. And yeah. I, was, I was just thinking about this before, before we started recording. Like, mm-hmm. I've been wanting to get like a second conversation with you for like two years or something it's been like a long time oh god because there was like interesting stuff that came up like mm-hmm. at the Brixton spot and yeah. like so Spark London is a true storytelling night Matty used to host it <laughs> and so like like me mm-hmm. now because I host the Hackney branch yeah. you, you had to find loads of stories to tell yeah and no. so that was like I was like oh I should have asked about that I should have asked about that I should have talked about that <laughs> so I sort of approached you then and you were like yeah sure but then you just like went off the radar for, for a little while. Now you're back on the radar. And, I know. And now we're having a conversation. I know. It's, <laughs> I guess I wasn't, I wasn't so much involved with Spark directly. I was still there, but I was more or less doing a lot of my own thing because I wanted to grow as who I wanted to be and in business and things like that. And I really wanted to be part of it really actively, but I just, finding the time was really difficult. Oh, you know. And it's like the whole sacrificing of like, I love being here, but I've got to do this and then maybe I can come back. Right, there's only so you much know? you can fit into yeah. life. I, I get that. I've had to give things up here and there. Although yeah. I'm not, I'm not good at it. I, I need to get better. At, at no, neither am I. I'm always messing up, always messing up. I think you weren't posting as much on social media as well. But now yeah. you're back and you're, you're doing things again and I'm seeing it all happening. Yeah, I took like six months out purely like personal reason and also sometimes social media is a bit toxic yes um <laughs> a bit sometimes it is toxic i'm like at the moment i'm seeing so much stuff and it's just like it's irritating me and i don't want to get angry and it's making me angry i'm just like why yeah and it's like you know when you used to watch tv because i don't watch tv i haven't watched tv for like for probably eight, nine years. I don't own a TV. I haven't owned a TV for eight, nine years. I've always been like 
being able to control what I watch because I can watch what I want online yeah. and things like that. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. don't actually, I haven't owned a TV. No, I don't have And a I TV. don't have to open the newspapers if I don't want to. Right. So I really control what intake of media I take. But like, even this morning, I was just, I was thinking that social media is becoming toxic because, you know, you see friends and people growing and doing different things or maybe things that you want to do and things that you're like oh my god you guys are intoxicating me please stop talking about this you're driving me nuts or right you're always even, comparing your life against other people yeah you're having to you feel like wow you know it's, it's this broadcasting thing like okay everything's going really really well and rosy with me and i'm just like okay come on this is don't broadcast your whole thing and i'm one of those people i don't broadcast my my whole social life on social media. I like to share moments with people and I really like to connect with people. So yeah, so it would, it's been really looking at social media and realising that it's becoming more media than it, it used to be, social media. I know what you mean. I mean, I understand all those concerns, even as being the actual example of the kind of person who does yeah. share everything <laughs> online, which I am. Like my, my life is there in, in po- podcasts as well as, as well as tweets, but it's all there. Yeah. And uh, I, I seem to not... I seem to like there's there's no area I haven't like, especially now like the show I'm doing at the moment like yeah. so I'm just putting out all my life online but at the same time yeah I know what you mean it is yeah. it is it is complicated landscape I like I like it but it is definitely there are toxic areas or, yeah. or ways things can go really bad and definitely it's not always good for your mental no. health I find it's like some no. especially comparing us because everyone's highlight it's their edited mm-hmm. highlights it's their best moments mm-hmm. but for mm-hmm. you it feels like they're that's their everything like they're always happy and they're not you know but yeah. you feel like they are when you see it or they're always angry or whatever it is <laughs> you know whatever the thing either one yeah. <laughs> so right. yeah but um thank god that you can hide some posts and then you don't have to listen to what everyone's saying that's, and yeah, you know you decide i just realized that i can we can you can be friends with someone but you don't have to follow what they're talking about i'm just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah so that's my love and hate between social media and the fact that i haven't been on it and i'm just a, i'm also a really conservative person regardless of what people actually might assume <laughs> that even though I I work and I've been in, you know, I'm used to being on stage or speaking and that kind of thing, or that's just part of my work and who I am. But I, I don't actually like people knowing everything about me. Right. I'm just like, I'm very conservative in that way. Like, I'm not secretive, but like, it's my stuff. I don't want to, I don't want everybody to know. Right. You know, so there's a little bit of me that I want to keep. No, yeah. that's fair enough. Um, yeah. I mean, so the, the first question I ask everybody is, how do you know me? And we've kind of covered that. We met through Spark London. Yeah, yeah, we did. And the second question I ask everybody is, what do you yeah. do now? Oh, what do I do now? It's interesting. So I've been almost four years in business, almost four years in business. Started my business out of vlogging. And then I remember starting helping small businesses like Spark about running their social media and helping them to run it online and then I really devoted myself to learning more about social media and that's I started getting people to ask me to come and do talks and I would I really I really wasn't putting myself in a box because I realized that nowadays 
you know, what you do doesn't have to be, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm a teacher, I'm a professor. It's not just that. It can be anything or a number of things that you are and that right. you do. And you cannot be defined by those things. So in essence, that's kind of how I built my, my kind of portfolio career. I do a lot of motivational speaking. I've done lots of university lecturing, leadership training with young people and adults up and down the country in the last couple of years. My last contract I was doing was with a college. I've restarted doing my YouTube interviews and my YouTube online show called Good Morning Matty where I kind of ask people, like, question, like bring tips about what people love doing, their careers, their lifestyle and things to help them grow really and motivate them. And then I have an interviewing section and also, I've just published my first book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, this that, year. Was, that was one of the reasons I thought you probably had gone quiet because you were writing a book. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was also really quiet because I was running a book. A few other things, but yeah, yeah that too. Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> Put my book out there. It's been, it's been online for about three months now. It's still really new. Still, yeah. still, still like a little baby. So. And it's down. It's a down downloadable, right? Yeah. So it's you can get it on. Um, it's called Quit or Embrace Your Job Crisis, and you can get it on ebook, and you can get it on uh, paperback. I also got really excited and I recorded an audio, which I'm not releasing yet. <laughs> I'm just like, calm down, Matty. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. I know you want to do this, but just like, calm down. Okay. So I haven't released it yet. You can get it through this through Amazon. On those platforms yeah that book is kind of like at least drawing on a lot of the stuff that we talked about the first time you were on the show like yeah you lost your job and your job was working in careers, in careers yeah. advice yeah. already yeah so you kind of that was like an irony yeah. to then lose your job <laughs> and be in the position of the people on the other side of the counter totally. and then and, and also you know you had some bereavements as well yeah. and those kind of all came together to give you a new change in, in direction in what you wanted to do. Yeah, And yeah. I guess that book is you summing that up, is it? It is, it is very much, it's very much a memoir, a self-help book. One of my friends who's a journalist called it like the motivational scrapbook. Cause you can, I, I bought a copy, so you can write at the back, there's questions and answers that you can write for yourself. And there's also a big chunk of myself talking about you know, how I deal with grief, how to overcome, how to go on reinventing yourself, especially when you deal with certain things that are, you know, like a lot of people have difficulties handling because it could go two ways. You could do really well or you could really go bonkers. And I've seen people who've gone the other way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, I, I, since, since we talked the first time, yeah. my, my life situation has changed drastically. Yeah. Without the bereavement part so far. <laughs> um, That's a good always, thing. There's always time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I sort of made that kind of jump into, into fear. Yeah. Because I lost my job. I, mean, I know, I was going to say, I yeah. Mean, well, I mean, my, it's, not, it's not as clear cut as that. My, the job I worked mm -hmm. was cut. 
Yeah. I was on to comments, so I could have gone back to a job I would have hated and I'd done for years and yeah. was much lower down and lower paid for more hours. Yeah, yeah. Or I could try and go freelance and find out if all of the work I'd been doing yeah. outside of the job for so many years, all of that work I was doing, if that was actually going to prove to have been enough to, mm. to have those contacts and all of that stuff that you need to go freelance. I mean, I was sort of like thought of it at the time as like jumping out of an aeroplane without knowing if your parachute was going to open yeah because it might open and it might, or it might not, not. <laughs> and uh i think i recorded like a, a podcast like at the new year saying like uh the parachute opened but now i'm in a situation <laughs> where i'm like i don't know maybe i was maybe i was a bit too quick to say the parachute was open maybe it turned out it's got holes in <laughs> anyway so we'll see we'll see i'm still like I'm, I'm, I'm falling slow, slower than I uh, yeah slower than I was, but still falling. Because you've been so, I I've been you know a consultant and freelance for a while now, and you've you've just kind of been in it for about about a year and a half, two years. Yeah, now. a year and a half. I yeah. Think. So so it's 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 okay. You you still find your feet. I mean, something that I'm learning is that each stage of like growth, when you learn something in business and you learn something about your personal life, because they both reflect. You kind of lose a layer, and then you kind of go past that layer where you used to think, "Oh God, am I going to make it? Oh my God, is it all going to go bad? Why did I jump into this? What am I doing?" And then there's that layer where you're like, "Oh, it's cool." And that always happens. Yeah, but I can handle it. Yeah, I mean, I can too. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see. It's, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing to do to be. I mean, I, I I read something the other day. It was about. It wasn't to do with this kind of topic, but it was said something along the lines of, "If you're walking along a tightrope, yeah. the best thing to do is to walk confidently, <laughs> but rather than to like be cautious while you're walking along that tightrope because then it wobbles more and you fall." You know? I mean, that that was about trying to make complicated, controversial statements within art. That that yeah. that was, and it was like it's better to do it confidently than to like. But, but I think it applies to freelance life it does. as well. And so I'm trying to be confident on that type of But I'm not, I'm not, it does. I'm not, confidence isn't entirely my natural style. <laughs> it's not even what I sell. <laughs> I sell anxiety and awkwardness, that's my brand. But, but yeah, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that complicated position but you you've been doing it for a, quite a bit longer so i guess yeah it's interesting i was going to say there's a there's a song by janelle monet uh, one of my one of my favorite artists um she talks about she has a song called tightrope and it's it the lyrics go wherever you're high or low you have to keep on the tightrope right. so you have, like, as you said you have to you mustn't look back or you mustn't look you know you mustn't kind of be wavered by what's happening around you you could just got to keep going right like you can handle it as you yeah. said yeah. Give off the appearance of, of, of what you're doing, and people, when you're flipping scared. People believe it for some reason. Yeah. How have you like evolved since the last time we spoke? We spoke about so many things. I think, I think the last time I spoke, it was so early in in me jumping into having a different career. I was an early baby freelancer like you. Right. You changed, I mean, you've changed the name of your main project. Or you changed projects, really. Well, when I first started, my uh, my blog it was is called, and still called, What The Job Is This? And I still go underneath that, that brand because that's what people recognise me on. But I've kind of just allowed people just to know me as my name. Yeah. So I'm, I've kept the blog as What The Job Is This? But the business is, is Matty Lee Seeker Mintendi. Right. And it's from... 
focusing on it. You know, I was, I, you know, when I first started, I was like, I'm going to help career professionals, blah, 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 who are corporate, etc., etc. But I, I, I kept on having this, this kind of um, conflict within myself because as much as I was a career professional, but I wasn't from a corporate background, so I was, I kept on having this tug of war with myself. It was just like, yes, no, and yes, no, this is what I stand for. And anybody else is looking at you like, nah, that's not what you look like. You look like these people. And um, and I was kind of in that denial part when my friends, everybody kept saying, you know, you, you're so creative. It's just, this is kind of, is that what you do? Because no one could kind of figure out, you know, are you doing modeling? Are you doing fashion? Are you doing, what exactly, how do you work? And so I just kind of realized that I, I really wanted to work with people who are, who are creative like me or who want to kind of embrace that creative style of their life, whether they are working in a creative environment or a creative career or not, but really enable that in them. Because that's what I was doing, you know. For a very long time, I was I was hiding my creativity under lots of layers of jobs, corporate stuff, and etc., etc. And it really didn't suit me. Having had experience as a kid and growing up, I used to sing in a band. I used to I used to be in a drama group. I did modelling for a while, and. You know, I, I, I draw, I've been drawing since I was literally like six. So like all these little bits and pieces were right. like, you know, they were, they were there and I did it in my spare time, but I never kind of put the two and two together and I never really thought I could. And then a couple of friends of mine were like, what do you really want to do? And then I said, you know, I want to help those people who you are creative to enable themselves. But I also want to help those who are struggling with that whole, what the job is this moment, that quarter life crisis or that crossroad where I don't know what I'm doing with my life next. Where am I going to get the help? So yes, why well, I, I just decided that I was going to amalgamate the two and just focus on working with those kind of people. And then I realized as soon as I accepted that, just kind of like everybody was like, yeah, that's right. that's like you. That makes more sense. That makes I mean, more that sense. That makes more sense. I mean, I, I sort of thought that, I've often thought that about you because you, you are very creative and you're also quite counter-cultural in certain ways, yeah. right? But then the corporate like idea yeah. is so the opposite of that. Yeah. And and like it's it's interesting to me that you've sort of like managed to to combine those elements mm -hmm. and find what you like and what you mm -hmm. you know and let one side influence the other. Because mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things I I wrote because I, I like because I was going to speak to you years ago, that was about the time when I still wrote down notes for what I was wanting to speak to people about. So I looked over those this morning, I was like, what? Yeah. they're weird. I didn't expect those notes to be the notes that they were there. But one of the things I had was fashion, makeup, hair, right? Yeah. And I think, and I, and I can't remember exactly why at the time I thought, oh, I, I should talk to, to Matty about that. But I think it was probably to do with some stuff that you said on Facebook or something. Yeah, it but, is. But you, you have got a very distinct fashion sense, mm -hmm. like you, you, you know, on your in, in the way you present yeah, I do. Yeah. I, and, and that's, that, I'm not, I, I... I mean, you've got it, these amazing <laughs> earrings on today, you know. I know, we'll take pictures after <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, it, it was, it, like you said, it was, it was, I think I was, I was in a really big process of denial. And, and you know, when I was just talking about, once again, I was talking about social media and sometimes how everybody kind of has this perception of you should do this and you should do that. And I've always knew that. Personally, my commitment in life is to help people embrace, you know, their calling, you know, change the way they think, 
you know, use their creativity, use all the resources they have, you know, whether they have a lot or not, but figure things out. And that's, that's been my natural instinctive things, you know, to, to motivate people, to, to help them see things in a completely different manner. And I do it, I do it really well naturally with my, my own creativity. And I find, you know, from, you know, when I first started doing YouTube videos and, you know, I, I, I recorded my own videos, I did the editing, um, I did the filming, I used my the own natural lighting. Yeah. I do all <laughs> all the acting <laughs> and the after effect and the before effect and the stunts. <laughs> and all these things just, just I, I think about these things just naturally and then I do them and I was like, well I see that doesn't look too bad and then I get good reactions from people who watch the videos or watch the comments and tips and I think, wow, this is this is is all right I'm, I'm not bad at this right because i need to do i just need to do more of it so um yeah I, I just realized that i couldn't neglect the fact that i am a career coach and i have a recruitment background right that's always going to be that's what your there. skills are in that's what you you're trying to do you know but i'm also a creative person i'm a secret artist secretly i've always been a secret artist in so it's like i have two different how would you say like um, dual personalities that I kind of they're kind of polar opposites and but they're right they always stare at each other and I and I was I just I basically I, I just decided to embrace them and put them together yeah I basically. mean like listeners at home you're missing these <laughs> really great like expressive hand gestures that, that, that went with all of that it was like a dance piece with, with the hands um, about that, those concepts and then it was particularly brought, brought home really well because the, the, the nail polish that Matty has is, is really kind of technicolor and lots of different colors across yeah it's technicolor <laughs> which is great I mean it's it, it was really but for me that was you know you said it all with the hands so, so <laughs> yeah un unlucky listeners um, and your life like up to this point of like writing this book and mm -hmm. and uh, finally finding mm. a way of meshing those two things up I mean mm. your life has been about meshing different things up yeah. right different experiences mm. uh, for people who haven't listened to the first episode mm. you know Matty has had a life in lots of different countries and lots yeah. of different kind of cultural situations you've seen mm. you've seen kind of like quite extreme differences I think in different yeah. cultures like I mean is that a, I guess a, a, all of that must have influenced all of the all of this kind of ev evolution and uh, connection and reconnection I guess okay, where are you? <laughs> oh yeah I should say we're, we're recording this in the William Morris <laughs> Gallery Cafe which seems quite appropriate um, to the uh, to the because William Morris was a, a creative person who was also a business person. He's he mixed those two things. Really? Up. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna you look should, him you up. Should, you should definitely check out this uh, this place. He was yeah. also a revolutionary. He's lots of lots of really interesting I'm stuff. I'm so gonna look him up. <laughs> well, he's he's well good. So I was saying about how all of those different influences coming together have, must have had a part in in all of the way that you see all of this. I guess it, it definitely has. It definitely has. I mean, I re about a year ago, I am. Um, I went to this event and um, I met these this couple. They were, I think the the, the girl was the, the wife was Jewish and then the husband was 
from Mauritius. So he was like, he was, he was black from Mauritius and she was, she was Jewish, but like from um, Israel. So basically, and he, he was brought up in Japan. No, he was born in Japan. Then they grew up in China and she was like, she wasn't even born in, in Israel, she was born somewhere else, went to America, they went to international schools. And then when I met them, I was just like, you guys are like me. <laughs> and then, and then they, yeah, and then they said to me, yeah, they said, and they said, you're a TCK. I was like, what? Right. It's like, what's that? <laughs> the wife said, it's a, it's a third culture kid. Like, I don't get that. I don't understand. It's like, so, you know, you're born somewhere and you grew up somewhere else. You grew up in a very different country because either your, your parents are into either, uh, I don't know, politics or business people or missionaries. So you move around a lot and you get, you have to adapt to lots of different cultures. I'm like, okay, how do you guys know about this? And then they said to me, yeah, it's, there's, there's tons of stuff about TCKs all over the world. And then there was another person in the group that was also TCK and I was like, it's like, wow. So I went home and I looked it up online and um, I, I've, I, I found out about Third Culture Kid. There was a huge website. It was all about Third Culture Kid. And literally right there and then, I started crying. And I cried and I cried and I cried because no one gets it. No one gets what it's like to be a Third Culture Kid, to have lived in so many different countries or to have to adapt to different cultures or to have one accent today and another accent tomorrow. Right. You know, or, or, they, or they say to you, well, technically, you know, you're black or you're African, but then you don't really act black or African. I'm just like, but what's that supposed to be? You know, so people don't get it and they want to kind of put you in different boxes. But actually it's, it's difficult because you just, you just adapt to all the different cultures that you're used to. Right. And it made sense because, you know, whenever I feel stress, I go to like big train station like King's Cross and Houston and I feel so comfortable because it's all about the just about to depart kind of moment, right. which I've been used to since I was a kid. And that gives me a sense of peace wow. in a really strange way. You know, people don't understand that. Or if, you know, after being in a job for a certain while, I get itchy feet and I want to move and I want to, I don't even want to be in, in the country where I am. And, and just all these different bits and pieces or just really be able to be one culture with certain people and a different culture with different people and not have any prejudgment accepting all but it's really hard for people to understand that right yeah i only heard about third culture kids like last year sometime when i was yeah. recording a conversation with someone who was yeah, yeah a third culture kid and, this, <laughs> and was, she was doing a amy claire tasco if people want to listen back to yeah. it she she was doing like um is doing i think currently like a performance project around about yeah. like linking up with different third culture kids and mm. and and, uh, and and trying to express that ex that experience and it's very different of course mm -hmm. everybody who's a third culture kid yeah. has by their by the nature of being a third culture kid a completely yeah. different experience from every other third culture kid but totally but you're all used to being out like outsiders in lots of different cultures and so yeah that, that's where it, the connection can come between yeah
Yeah. I mean, I always feel like I don't have a sense. I always, I'm always saying this on the show. But I mean, I always feel like I don't really have a sense of like belonging or co- or like place I come from. Um, and I, and I only moved about in within the UK, right? Like, yeah. Between England and Wales, right? There's like nothing. I mean, yeah, shit. There is a cultural difference, but it is nothing compared to all of these others. And if, and if I if I don't feel like I belong anywhere, like I can only like imagine it's like a hundred times more for like people yeah. who've, like like yourself who've changed languages changed uh like classes i guess sometimes yeah. and, and, and certainly like gone from like a place which has one race as as, as the mm-hmm. dominant model to another race that has a dominant mm-hmm. model or like london where every everybody's different and that's kind of a cool thing about london yeah but at the same time you, you've lived in france which is well complicated like. yeah i know it is quite complicated <laughs> right, right. and uh, i was quite oblivious when i was a kid um growing up in france i don't even think i was really oblivious <laughs> what was you know what was going on in me i think my my older sister who's 10 years older than me and like my older cousins that were living with us they kind of experienced a lot of the i think the differences of what it was like in France at the time, but I didn't experience any of that stuff. I think it's when I first came to England and then um, I wasn't the only black girl in the school. And then I was like, I noticed there was, there was boys of lots of different cultures and background. I was like, that guy's cute and that guy's cute and this guy's cute and this guy's cute. And I was like, wow, this guy's from everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, so um, <laughs> so I got like, wow! I felt like I was in the sweet shop. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so like when 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 I was a kid, like my sister, my older sister, would tell you this. I used to fancy this 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 um, French Caucasian guy. His name was Nathaniel, and I used to talk about Nathaniel all the time, and that was like my ideal crush. And then when I went came to England, I was like, whoa, this is like heaven. <laughs> there was a whole heap of difference of of guys from different places and I was I was baffled by that was like that was because I, I, I had yeah. just I was just getting into my teenage years and things like that I was just like whoa this is just amazing for me I mean, I, you know I, I, yeah I can I can understand it I didn't know anything be. different right yeah I mean it's I, I mean London's an interest like because you know I've not lived in London all my life. Yeah. Different parts of the country have very different racial populations. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, and, and, and so it, it, when I remember when I first met, moved to London, it was, it was a little bit like that, like not necessarily like I was older and, you know, not necessarily as hormonally inspired, <laughs> but it, was, it is kind of like, a, oh my God, there's so many different kinds of people. This is, yeah. you know, and, and, if, and if you're inclined to like that, and I am, um, yeah. then you go, oh, this is brilliant. Um, yeah. And I guess some people go, this is terrible. But I mean, I don't, don't think we should give them any airtime, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, got, I got a bit too excited um, no. when I, I first moved to England. That seems to have a very reasonable reaction to have. Um, <laughs> certainly. I mean, and particularly because, yeah, you were used to being the only person of colour. Yeah, it was, um, it was me and my younger cousin, because we grew up together. And she lives here now with me in the UK but yeah it was it was us too for for quite a while right yeah I mean and and that's kind of yeah because I mean one of the other things that I'd written down to talk to you about yeah um, I, and I remember this so distinctly because it was just such a kind of amazing cultural kind of moment 
Yeah. So when you ran the Brixton Storytelling Night, mm-hmm. there was a night that was around the theme of pets. And, 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 <laughs> and, and you told this story about your childhood pets. And, yeah. And it was like... The room, like everyone in the in the room, like their their their, their lower jaws were on the ground <laughs> by the end of the story. Yeah, about the chimp. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. Yeah, but about the chimp. I, I think I might have a photo of the chimp. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it was an interesting moment. So I, I wrote that down, like, to talk to you about, like, two years ago. Right? <laughs> so now this morning, like, looking at it, I was like, I know why I'm interested in that, but I'm also like a little bit like. This is like a little bit of a strange like thing to bring up as well because it's like yeah because of the cultural differences mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like I don't want to like bring it up in a like ha let's all laugh at the the weird like pets that people <laughs> in different cultures have yeah um, but at the same time what was fascinating about that moment was just like all of these different levels of different people's expectations and stuff mm-hmm. were all being challenged right there. Very much. The way you talked about it was also as slightly as an outsider because you were looking back at your childhood having lived Very in much. loads of other places and Very you knew much. it was kind of strange. But it wasn't just the chimp actually, it was also the parrot. Yeah, um, I have which I've was had, in France. Yeah, I've had three or, three or four parrots all together. Right, I think, right. yeah. If I look back at it, yeah. I think. No, three parrots, two two in Congo and one in France. Yeah, right. And 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 I mean the this the 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 story about the chimp is very like is very sort of like strange. <laughs> I mean, do you want to just like fill them in on that? So that's okay. when I was a kid, when um when I was literally a a, a baby or a toddler, my parents I they they got me a, a chimp. I mean, it's like the equivalent of having a dog back home. You know, like having a dog here. So it's like you're cooking it like that because like a chimp doesn't really cost a lot of money or a parrot. You know, you can get it on the street for like, I don't know, 20 quid, 30 quid, right. $50, <laughs> something they, like that. They, they live like what in the wild. It just has yeah, to catch them. But it's, it's easy. I mean, I remember <laughs> when I first went back to Congo in 1995, 94, 95, and I was just seeing these, these street vendors who were selling these animals like they were nothing it's like when you go to india and you see street vendors selling snakes right you know and it's normal yeah yeah because yeah. Yeah, it's like that happens or snake charmers you know yeah. that happens yeah. so uh, we had a chimp and i i only remember the story as my sister tells it right. because One of those stories. when when she says this the chimp got so attached to me and started thinking that i was either his child or, or its little one <laughs> And um, when my mum would walk out the room, like she, she'd be cooking in a different room, and I'd be in the other room watching TV. The chimp would be kind of like nannying me or something. And if someone walked in the room that the chimp didn't know, it would literally, like, it would be really aggressive. Like if they didn't, and if the chimp didn't know that person, it would be aggressive towards that person because it would be protective towards me. So that's what will happen. Yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, chimps are, I mean, chimps, if that makes sense, I mean, because, I mean, yeah. ch- chimpanzees and bonobos are our closest yeah. genetic yeah. Um, connections, so, I mean, you know, that yeah. is, yeah, although it had a dark ending, right? Were, yeah, it did. It, it, <laughs> um, it was really sad, poor yeah. chimp. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you didn't know at the time. No, I so didn't know. Back, they, so. um, yeah, they um, killed and ate the chimp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's quite a reasonable thing to do. I mean, 
I mean, lots of places eat dogs. I mean, and, and, and so like this idea that we don't eat our pets is is, is a is, is a cultural yeah. assumption anyway. Um, and it does it seems quite unwasteful. If, <laughs> I mean, if, 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 we, if we if we if in if in this country we when we put down our animals, we then ate them. That would actually be kind of like a better a better a better way. For I have a piece of my my animal with me all the time. <laughs> right. No, um, when I heard the rest of the story, I was I was in tears. I was really upset with my my older sister. And was like, why did you tell me this? Yeah, some things you don't need to know. <laughs> right. That's but, yeah, I think she was just being my older sister. She was like being a bit like cheeky, you know, like when you have older siblings and sometimes they want to be a bit cheeky towards you because you know you're the younger one. So yeah. You know, so yeah. But I mean, and that's but that, I mean that's the thing. Like talking about like that moment of your childhood presents you in like one way but there's so many different things that you've experienced that it's not really like that's kind of a misrepresentation and also it seems to be like it's always it's all it's always awkward, isn't it? These mm-hmm. these areas around stereotypes and cliches yeah. and stuff, and you don't want to reinforce them, but you also yeah. can't you can't be untruthful about the world as well. So yeah. it's really complicated. That gives a picture of Africa that isn't all Africa, mm-hmm. but it is it is part of Africa. Mm. Isn't it? So you know, yeah. I mean, Africa's a continent, not a country. So yeah, definitely. So. And, and it's like like I was saying, as you said, as you mentioned the stereotypes of what it's like to to be African or black or a, a woman. You know, even within, within my own family, there's, there's, there's most of the time they will treat me differently because they're like, oh, look at you with the white girl mentality. And that's just basically me growing up in Europe and just being accustomed to just like, I adapt, I don't, I don't reject. I just kind of adapt and make it my own or being told, well, act a bit more Congolese, act a bit more African, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, you know, when you go out and um, if no one's met me before and they can hear me on the radio and they're probably thinking, oh, wow, you, you're African or you're, you speak French? English is your third language? No, no way. That's, that's impossible. Or, um, you know, when uh, I used when I used to work in recruitment, I used to pick up the phone and say, and you introduce myself. Hello, my name is Matisse Kimintende. Blah 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 blah. And the person on the phone is talking to me, and I think, oh sure, I'll come and see you at two o'clock today. And they turn up, and they have a big shock on their face because I look really young, and I'm a black woman. Right. <laughs> they weren't expecting those two things. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of. There's a lot of um, interesting stereotypes of people and how they perceive you. Sometimes I experience like ageism. Sometimes it's, as I said, being a woman, or being a woman of color. Yeah, it's all sorts of things. Right, but I, I guess all of those things. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely not saying <laughs> like I always say about being bullied at school. It it, it, it wasn't good. It still isn't good. No. Even, even though I've learned stuff from it, but. Like, but but I'm sure that all of these mm-hmm. experiences have helped you now to be somebody who yeah. then can look at people's lives and go like, how, what's going on, and like mm-hmm. try to work that stuff out. The reason why people do it is mostly out of ignorance. They don't, as you said, you know, you. It's difficult to understand what a TCK <laughs> upbringing is like. Yeah. So already being a, a teenager or a young person growing up, it's difficult. You're going to get bullied because maybe you've got. A, 
you know, you, you wear glasses, you've got a long nose, you've got a big nose, you've got fluffy hair, you've got straight hair. People are going to pick you for all sorts of things. Right. And then you have an accent. Right. Or you live in different countries. Yeah. Or, you know, the story about the chimp. I never told that story in public to anybody. Right, right, right. Because I realised as I was growing up, I was like, but how come we had the chip? <laughs> I was like, that's really cool. And I used to talk to talk about it in primary school. And then when I got to secondary school, I was like, I can't talk about chip. They're going to call me the Queen of Zamunda. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know? It plays into loads you know? of so, stuff. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I can't say that anymore because it's not cool or people are going to... You know, look at me funny. Yeah, you, well, I guess like the problem in school is that the, any difference yeah. is like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in my school, you know, the, it was so homogenous that they had to pick me out as the person to bully because there was nobody, <laughs> nobody of color. Well, there was a few. There were people of color, but I mean, so I mean, you were in a, like, a much worse position than me. I mean, all of those, like when you're describing stuff, yeah. like all of the stuff, like fluffy hair, glasses, stuff like that. I got the feeling that that was stuff like you've also like that's another thing that you yeah. get about. Had you know, it's, like, it's just all of these levels, isn't it, of things that people will pick on somebody about, and yeah. some people have got more of them than others. And that's children are cruel, right? <laughs> right. But I mean, but, but, but I mean, like I said, like I think, I guess it's given you a sort of like this, like even before you lost your job, you yeah. had had lots of series of like kind of like what you were saying earlier on mm-hmm. about evolving, mm. changing skin, getting mm. used to a new situation. Yeah. And then, like, and you've done that, like, you've like, been like a, like a you, you're always becoming a butterfly, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is, like, every human being, I think something I've learned, especially last year during my really quiet moment, is that, you know, we are always going back into a cocoon and then we're, coming out of the cocoon and we're learning something new and if we're not doing that I think we're we're pretty much like the living dead you know we're just walking around like zombies you know because we haven't we haven't got in touch with what's happening inside of us right so um yeah is there anything that you put into the book that is new like thinking from the last time we spoke like is there new new things you've learned what did I put in the book that's um that's different oh god I have the book with me. That's a good thing. So, yeah, this isn't a test, by the way. It's fine. No. Though, though, it's weird because I, I have to go through my book quite a bit from time to time because it's weird to reread your book, but it makes sense. So, a couple of people have read my books at like the places that I was doing a consultancy with, and a lot, a lot of people was. I talk about getting bullied at work by one of my previous bosses because of my hair. I have a big afro by the way. <laughs> I have a natural, big afro, curly, kinky hair. So I talk about those things. I talk about being unhappy at different places and I talk about depression and how, how I dealt with it and how most of the time a lot of people just denial themselves of the fact that it's happening. Yeah, I talk about those things because I think they're important to talk about and I, and I know nobody talks about it. Right. I mean, certainly depression is... No. Is like, it's... Again, it's like some groups talk about it less than others as well. Yeah. So I think like men talk about it less. Yeah. Um, but also <laughs> I think like I don't know this is an assumption and yeah. Like, but I think the the black community there's a there's a lot of complicated attitudes yeah, around there's depression. Yeah, def- definitely a lot of complicated attitudes. You know, people feel uncomfortable when you say you're depressed or you're you're stressed and that kind of stuff. You know, 
and uh, you know, they tell you to get over it or tell you so many other bits and pieces and you're like I'm really feeling down man <laughs> I'm not feeling great today you know yeah. so it, it's it's those things where it's like the only real way to deal with depression is to actually acknowledge that you're actually going through it yeah sure you know being in denial just makes it worse it just makes the problem 10 times worse and I'm very real and honest about the fact that in every single every moment and every time I've been kind of fighting my growth and my involvement into learning and growing in myself, then I've had that depression. Then I've had to deal with that because I was really fighting against myself. I was really not accepting what was going on. I was really down because I would be comparing myself, talking about the comparison thing or, you know, having heard all this information from loads of people. Oh, you know, you got to be this and you got to be that. And then what comes out is something completely different. So I talk about that in my book and I talk about the change curve. There's a scientist who wrote the change curve. I mention it in the book. Um, I can't remember the scientist's name, but it, it talk about going down through, when you find out about something like uh, losing your job or losing someone close, you go through that process where you're in denial, then you get angry, then you're like, you, you, you barter, you're kind of negotiating with other people, with a higher power, with, you know, all these bits and pieces. And then you kind of like, then you get back up the curve and you're like, okay, it's not so bad. You start to go into acceptance and then you get back to that stage when you're, you've kind of made it part of who you are. And that's when you are actually at a place when you can actually move forward but you have to go through that change curve you have to you have to be angry you have to be pissed off you have to be sad mm -hmm. you know you have you have to go through that denial process you have to go through every single one of those stages otherwise you'll always be at that one place yeah i mean definitely i've definitely found that the more i've learned about myself the yeah. more i've kind of understood myself for all of the good positive, like yeah, yeah I'm on it. I get it now. Everything's yeah. like you then have have the pain and the yeah. like process yeah. uh, period of time. And def and that's another thing that's happened to mm. me in the time mm. since we last spoke. I guess now I've come to terms and like accepted and found a name for something I experienced, which is depression mm. and anxiety, yeah. right? Um, and and again. For years, because I know what depression and anxiety mm -hmm. is, but I never thought it was something I could have. Like, mm -hmm. I, I always thought that was for people who had worse problems than me and that mm -hmm. I didn't have rights to it. Yeah. I've kind of understood that that's yeah. wrong. And so that process has been, yeah, so now I'm, yeah, I, I, I've talked about that on stage yeah. and stuff like that, which is good, ultimately. But again, it, it brings up stuff and you yeah. have to deal with it. And then, yeah. yeah. It is good. I think, um, I don't know, I, was, I wasn't sure how the reception of my book was going to happen because I did, I've got, I've got six reviews online at the moment and I've got quite a lot of people who've been reading the book and they're like, so far, it's positive. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be negative reviews at one point and I'm not too scared about it, but so far, it's, it's, actually, doing, it's actually doing what it's supposed to do. It's helping people to think about should I quit my job or should I embrace the crisis and do something about it? Mm. Because that's what happened to me and that's why I decided to write the book. You know, the, um, the subtitle is How the Loss of My Dad and the Loss of My Job Helped Me Change Direction. And that's just what happened. You know, if I didn't embrace 
both my my father's loss and my mother's loss and my job loss, you know, you know, then it would have been really, really difficult for us even to have this conversation, for me to be open and, you know, talk about it so so easily. Right. You know. Right. And, and, and another thing I wrote down two years ago that I wanted to talk to you about was yeah. faith and like, like, where, where are you at with that? Like, I don't even know, like, I must have seen again some, some sign <laughs> that this was an area that would be interesting to talk to you about. I think what I had written down was faith, Christianity slash anarchy. I don't even know, <laughs> I don't know what that means now but I, I, I have a vague sort of sense that it probably it was probably an exchange we had on facebook because i probably brought the word anarchy into it, I would imagine. wow interesting okay yeah, i don't know what that means either. So don't feel like you have to live up to that okay. scrib- scribbling um so yeah we, i think we talked about faith because you mentioned something about i think we we're talking about various prophets and we t- we were t- we were talking about Jesus or something like that right. and you, oh, you the you last time I saw you you said I don't like Jesus. <laughs> you sort of thing out I did. on Facebook I said, I, I, said, I, said, I said it's the hair it's all about the hair <laughs> right 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 <laughs> uh, um, well the way I I, I I I have a Christian faith and um, I'm not overbearing or overpowering um, I don't I, I don't talk about it in public or I don't, what's the word? I don't evangelize right. as such. Right. Um, I would rather people get to know me and figure out themselves. Right. Because I think that's the best way to do it. And I, and I've, and I always thought to myself, if, if, if Jesus was a real person, he'd be a hippie. He'd probably be like a, a big rebel. And you probably would be an anarchist. I think that's what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. But, um, I read, I read, I, I read a lot of. I'm very curious about other things that happen in the world and other faiths, and I'm I'm curious about reading things, lots of different spiritual books that kind of help me to understand me as a person. It helps me to understand my personal faith and other people's faith and how people think, because I'm very curious, most of all, of how people think and the reason people do what they do and what makes a person grow and how I can relate to someone else because of their actual belief because there is I think there's a way of talking to various people depending on their upbringing because I know what that's like you know if I was to talk to a South African person I'd have to mention things from South Africa if I have to talk to a person of um, a Muslim faith I have to mention things that I know about the Muslim faith and things I that I've I've learned and I'm, I'm I'm aware of just so I can get them to realise that I can understand where they're coming from. I was kind of right to write that down all those years ago because it is an interesting thing to talk. About. I mean, I, like this show. I mean, one of the, the strands that's happened in getting better acquainted, like yeah. going through it, is people talking about faith. Uh, wow. Lots of different people talking about different kinds of faith, and yeah. it's not something I expected because I'm like a. <laughs> I, like, I like to describe myself as a militant ag- agnostic. Um, like, but, but but I mean like so I never expected, but but of course like it is a big part of so yeah. many people, and and like people like to kid ourselves that like oh yeah. secular society blah blah blah. Yeah. But like we all have like personal ways of 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 looking at the world and it might mm. be it might be through the lens of, of a faith or it mm. might be through the lens of whatever else but like mm. i i think i'm you know i i'm kind of could say i'm spiritual i think like everybody's spiritual right even like the, yeah. the, the people who really annoy me are the atheists 
so we're gonna get ourselves in trouble here. Like, like, like not all atheists, definitely not. Like my partner Jen is, is an atheist, and there's, I know many great atheists, but there's 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 certain there's certain dog, dogmatic atheists that, yeah. that piss me off. But then that, that that's that's true about people of faith as well. Like dogmatic faith also. You're so right. I think there's there's different strands of people, and there's there's different way people actually perceive. I think there's also the fact that as human beings everybody's trying to to be something or to say oh this is the right way to do it and there's really and truly you know you've got to find what works for you and um it, it's that thing where i think it's it's more about there's, there's more love and joy when you look at the other person as a human being not just looking at their faith or their lack of it mm-hmm. you've really got to look at that person as a human being and if when you start treating that person as a human being first then you can connect with them more spiritually you can connect with them on so many different levels and many of the prophets like you know the buddhist prophets and the muslim prophets and the christian prophets a lot of them you know they sh- they showed a lot of action first like they gave people food and right. they made sure they were homeless and they they make sure some of these things happen and that's how people became so much more accepting of that spiritual side because you have to deal with the, the humans the, the, the basic human needs of, of of a person before you can do anything before you can appeal to their spiritual side or anything else you've got to you've got to really be able to connect with the basic needs if you're not connecting with the basic needs you're not going to get anywhere yeah i mean my yeah absolutely i mean i my suspicion as well is that you know whatever spirituality is or or, or 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 connection or any of these things like within all of these faiths one of the arguments they make is to look at people as humans and then there'll also be loads of other complicated mm-hmm. things that con- contradict that nothing mm-hmm. simple people can yeah. read what they like in anything fair enough but mm-hmm. but but i feel like within the major faiths mm-hmm. at least in some interpretations there is yeah. this idea of of not judging, of, of, of being equal and seeing yeah. each other and and being there with each other's truths. Yeah. People with, with who, who have that kind of faith are the ones yeah. I'm, I tend to be more like comfortable and down with, mm. whether they have faith or they're an atheist or whatever, as long mm-hmm. as they look at somebody as if they're like a, a person. That, that to yeah. me is the start of something spiritual. It definitely that's, is. You know what I mean? That's the start, yeah. like that connection is, mm. that's the, that, that's the, that's the most spiritual I get, I think, is when I connect mm. with other people and feel like part of the world rather than mm. <laughs> scared of the world or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a pleasure getting even better acquainted with you. I've got to say, like, <laughs> um, it's, got, it's, been, it's gone really nicely. And, uh, and I, was, I kind of was looking forward to it, but I, I, was, I was like, I, hadn't, like, I didn't know what we were going to talk about exactly until I like, looked at that list this morning. The last question I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug? Do I have anything to plug? Yeah, I do. The book, Quit or Embrace Your Job Crisis. Um, I'm actually uh, working on the marketing at the moment, so I'm doing, I've got various talks that I'm, I've got lined up at the moment. And also uh, the Good Morning Matty show that I host every Tuesday online. So that's every Tuesday on my YouTube channel. So YouTube, forward slash, what the job is this? Spelled with one T. <laughs> correct way of spelling it. And um, yeah, the correct way of spelling it. <laughs> I'm not arguing. I just, I just found it. I just found that, that funny. 
Um, I mean, you know, I, 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 sent, out, <laughs> I, I sent out a press release with a, a, a misspelling in the title today, so I look forward to a day when we embrace multiple ways of spelling things. Anyway. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, you know, building more collaboration with people, doing a lot of this kind of thing, what we're doing today, getting connected with people, getting connected with um, other people's audiences and just talking about things that help you grow and become a better person, really. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a great plug. Cool. Um, it's, it's, it's both useful because you've directed them to the to places they can find stuff and yeah. meaningful and moving at the end. I like it. Oh, and thank there's you. my review of your plug for no, <laughs> for no real reason. Um, so, yeah. And the last thing I ask my guests okay. uh, to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Okay. Goodbye! Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next Spark London Storytelling Night that I'm hosting is happening at the Hackney Attic on the 9th of November. Tickets are £7 or £5 concessions. They're available already from the Hackney Attic website, and that is going to be a night devoted to the subject of multicultural minds. It's a night where we're teaming up with Mind in Haringey to raise funds for Mind the Mental Health charity and to talk about mental health across different cultures. So the stories told that night will be a mix of invited storytellers and open mic stories, all true stories talking about mental health from different cultural perspectives. Last year we teamed up with Mind for a general night about mental health issues and that was a brilliant night and very cathartic and powerful so I'm looking forward to hosting the one that's happening on the 9th. To find out more about Spark London go to www.sparklondon.com and to find out more about Mind in Haringey go to www.mindinharingay.org.uk Something that I mentioned very much in passing in this episode is that I've been working on a show about being a man and I'm doing that in London on the 19th of November at the Dog Star in Brixton. It's part of a double bill that my night Stand Up Tragedy is presenting. So it's Stand Up Tragedy presents What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity and AJ McKenna's show Howl of the Banty. Doors open at 7.30. Tickets are pay what you think the shows are worth. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like it on Facebook www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk is one place you can find it and remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted